Chapter 13, Momentum, page 25. People who voted for Corbyn were clear that they were voting against the social cuts imposed by the Tories since 2010, against anti-migrant policies, at least the gross ones operated by the Tories since 2012 under the slogan, Hostile Environment, against a repeat of the Iraq invasion, but the Tories had already pulled the last British troops out of Iraq in 2011 against the new restrictions on trade union action in the Trade Union Bill introduced in July 2015, which would become the Trade Union Act 2016, against university tuition fees. Some of what they were voting for was clear too. More social spending, a better funded NHS, free of privatisation and marketisation. At least some renationalisation of utilities. Some more democracy in the Labour Party where rank and file input and to a large extent even union leadership input had been curtailed since Tony Blair became leader in the mid-1990s. Corbyn's campaign had assembled the largest political mobilisation for decades on that axis in unavoidably only a loose ad hoc and provisional way. A core question after September 2015 was whether that mobilisation could organise itself, discuss its positive programme and define it in a more rounded way and work out at least the beginnings of a shared idea of ways and means to get there, beyond just hoping that a new leader would help. That depended, as political progress in the Labour Party had always depended, on organising the left at the rank-and-file level. The inner circle of Corbyn's leadership campaign knew that in their own way. Some of them now ceased direct public activities as they took jobs in the leader's office or elsewhere around the leadership. But one of them, John Lansman, set up a new movement, Momentum, only four weeks after Corbyn's victory. Lansman described himself politically as a Dererite after Vladimir Derer, the founder in 1973 and long-time leader of the Campaign for Labour Party Democracy, CLPD. Derra had been a Trotskyist and retained some, some ideals and ideas typical of Trotskyism, for example, supporting the Polish workers and Solidarnosc in 1980-81, but coupled those with a sort of new Fabianism. We would get socialism by pushing Labour bit by bit to the left, through adroit policies, adroit alliances with a party middle ground and a stubborn focus on rule changes to improve party democracy. Landsman had come into high-profile politics in 1980 when, as a recently graduated student, he had been nominated by CLPD to be the secretary of the United Left Labour Party democracy movement of that time the rank-and-file mobilising committee, RFMC, working alongside John Bloxham of Socialist Organiser, a forerunner of Solidarity, as RFMC Organiser. Lansomwin was also a major figure in Tony Benn's 1981 deputy leadership campaign. Lansman had been out of all but local Labour politics for a long while before returning in 2010 and became central again in CLPD. We, Workers' Liberty, had worked closely with him in the 2014 campaign against the Collins Report, 
a move by the Miliband leadership to reduce trade union leadership leverage in the Labour Party. Lansman would separate from CLPD early in the Corbyn era, driven by differences over anti-Semitism and CLPD's resentments of momentum. The writer met Lensman for a conversation about his plan shortly before Momentum was publicly launched. To my surprise, what Lensman explained to me was a different model from any Labour-left assemblage of the past. This, he said, would be a social movement, not limited to Labour Party members. The Guardian, 8th October 2015, had been briefed that, quotes, the group anticipates many thousands of people who are not Labour members or supporters will be involved in the wider social movement through their communities and workplaces, end quotes. And the new movement, said Landsman, couldn't have even the ramshackle sort of democratic structure, conferences, elected committees, that those Labour-left assemblages had usually had. It would be too big for that. As a sort of model, Landsman cited 38 Degrees. 38 Degrees was and is a left-wing movement which sees itself as exceptionally progressive, democratic and attuned to people's power, declaring that its camp, quotes, campaigns are chosen and led by our three million members, end quotes. But those members are just people who have signed up to the e-list. There are e-consultations about the choice of campaigns, but voting figures from those consultations are never, as far as I can find, published, and almost surely only a tiny fraction of the three million take part. There are no conferences or elected committees. In practice, everything is decided by its 30 to 40 office staff, paid between 26,000 for interns to above 50,000 for higher staff. No figures seem to be available for the highest. There is also a board of worthies which meets on its own description only a few times a year. 38 Degrees was floated on money from charitable trusts and foundations in 2009, but now subsists on donations from the minority of its 3 million members who choose to make them. 38 Degrees mostly does e-petition campaigns, though it says that it Quotes, sometimes acts offline, like visiting an MP or minister, taking out ads in, new pa- in newspapers, holding public meetings or fundraising for legal action, end quotes. Fundamentally, members pay money so that the office can do politics of an NGOY sort on their behalf. We commented, quotes, momentum has so far been advertised as an autonomous movement open to all, labour and non-labour, a pantomime horse group combining with the functions of Labour Left Caucus and 38 Degrees type internet link-up. We doubt such a catch-all conception is viable, end quotes. And yet, despite the notional open-to-all policy, as of then, quotes, no one except presumably the Momentum team self-appointed which was sending out electronic message to the Corbyn supporter database, could join. And in some areas, Momentum was taking the form of Facebook pages run by the self-elected, end quotes. We called for a clear Labour-focused remit, though with openness to working with non-Labour leftists in campaigns and issues and a clear 
democratic structure. Landsman also said to me on more terrorite lines that Momentum would aim to win the institutions of the Labour Party. He was cool but not hostile when I argued for a priority to recruiting new members to CLPs, young Labour and Labour students, and organising them for local activity. My suspicion was that was and is that in the 38 degrees model, it was that the 38 degrees model was handed down to him by Corbyn and Macdonald and others in their inner circle, rather than being his own. That circle thought, or seemed to think, judging from their political state, their public statements, that they could sidestep the problems which they had faced inside the Labour Party structures for two decades before 2015 by going round these structures and through the social movements. Possibly the projects launched by Corbyn, Peace and Justice Project, and by MacDonald claim the future since April 2020 on new, though weak, attempts to reprise that perspective. The other logic operating as momentum was launched in October 2015 was that of ownership of the means of production, or rather ownership of the means of electronic communication. The Momentum Office, as registered companies controlled by people in the Momentum Office, owned the massive contact data got from Corbyn's leader campaign. And for the sort of politics based largely on electronic communication rather than in-person meetings or action, those data are the, the means of production of politics. Through its whole history, Momentum has operated primarily by the office mobilising people by electronic communication for internal Labour Party elections and to work for Labour in public elections, notably 2017 and 2019. It has been difficult for local momentum groups to get local contact data from the office, data protection laws being cited as the reason. At its launch date, momentum was nominally run by a board of MPs. We never found out, or at least I never found out, who, but in practice it has always been run by the office. In 2016, repeated lobbying and protests forced the calling of some regional and national meetings and the creation of a national steering committee. The meetings adopted some good policies, notably against Brexit, against the continuing no-charge-or-hearing exclusions of leftists, against trident replacement and against anti-Semitism, but the office never published them. In that period, we, Workers' Liberty people, were still able to meet and discuss with landsmen. I think we may even have shifted him somewhat on the issue of anti-Semitism. On democratic structures, he remained reluctant. If the office didn't keep control, it would be impossible to win the affiliation to momentum of the Unite Union and to keep good working relations with the leader's office. He mused, quotes, Whatever you think about it, you have to work with the Communist Party. Vladimir Derrera used to say that. End quotes. Even then, Lanzmann was openly discontented with the leader's office. Later, he would seek our backing and momentum on the grounds that the more Stalinoid groups in Labour's top circles, linked most closely to Unite Union HQ and the Squawk Box blog, were intent on ousting him. 
In September 2016, Momentum organised very little for Labour Party conference. The structures were not responsive enough for members' pressure to organise to produce results. It did put effort into a fringe festival organised semi-autonomously as the World Transformed, TWT, was big, but Momentum's left speakers had been largely excluded from its platforms and no left literature stalls were allowed inside. When we set up a workers' liberty stall in the streets outside, the event organisers instructed us that we must pack up and move away. We refused point-blank, and eventually they let it go, but they had tried. Meanwhile, the Morningstar was billed as a sponsor of the event and was distributed as a free giveaway inside it. Chapter 14, The Momentum Coup of January 2017, page 29. It still looked as if momentum was being pushed slowly, reluctantly, towards a conference and a democratic structure. Then on the evening of 10th January 2017, John Lansman and the office organised a coup, abolishing all momentum's committees and structures and returning direct control to the office. Notionally, since February 2017, a part-elected National Coordinating Group has overseen the office. Since the forward momentum slate victory in the momentum NCG elections of July 2020, there may be more supervision of the office by some NCG officers, but the NCG as such is still weak and opaque. No facility existed or even exists for national discussion or debate in momentum, other than a slight opening in periodic elections for the elected seats on the NCG. In the first NCG elections, 42% of a 34% turnout, i.e. 14% of Momentum's membership, then given as 21,000, voted for a pre-coup slate for the elected positions. But the electoral system worked to give that slate almost a clean sweep. The nearest to a public explanation of the coup was a message by John Lansman to CLPD. Quotes, Sectarian elements on the left wish to turn momentum from a broad alliance it was intended to be, seeking to maintain the broad centre-left coalition that elected Jeremy Corbyn to support his administration, democratise the party along the lines long advocated by CLPD, and help Labour win elections, into a hard-left organisation reminiscent of the LRC designed to put pressure on Jeremy from the left, end quotes. Landsman was, he said, standing up for a silent majority of momentum against Trotskyist and other sectarian organisations. The dissolving of momentum structures would allow it to avoid a, quotes, battle for two months in the run-up to a planned national delegate conference, end quotes. We responded that a healthy Labour left must have discussion and democracy, not be tied to unquestioning support of the leadership. Quotes, Momentum would have contributed more, not less, if it had actively promoted a left-remain vote, free movement across borders, opposition to trident renewal. It would be stronger now if its national office, as well as its local groups, had campaigned in support of workers' disputes like at Picture House, and for the NHS. It would have done better if, as we urged, it had organised a presence at Labour Conference 2016. 
it would have it would be healthier if it had a, had a proper discussion on left anti-Semitism, in which John Lansman and we would have broadly been on the same side, rather than trying to quell the issue administratively. All those things are not sectar- sectarian caprices, but would have happened if momentum had been allowed to develop normally, democratically. Some people have stopped attending momentum meetings, but not because of political debate, rather because so many meetings have been dominated by bureaucratic obstructions and battles against it. End quotes. On the 11th of March, 200 momentum members, including 80 or 90 delegates from local momentum groups, came to an anti-coup grassroots momentum conference. We, Workers' Liberty, were part of organising that. We saw it as a move to set up a coordination of local momentum groups, which would allow them to organise discussion and campaigning beyond the formal office-down structure, and would thus rally weight to force a democratisation of momentum. The conference elected a committee, but essentially nothing came of it. Many local momentum groups and activists were demoralised. The committee was fairly evenly divided between supporters of something like the perspective we advocated and people who oriented to the defence of what we criticised as left anti-Semitism and who insisted that momentum was finished. Neither camp had the weight or the energy to make the new project fly on their course against the opposition of the other camp. We continued to run candidates for NCG elections and to develop the Clarion magazine, launched in September 2016 as an effort to regroup the momentum left, to participate in local momentum groups and to develop initiatives like Stop the Labour Purge, the Labour Campaign for Free Movement and, from December 2018, Labour for a Socialist Europe. Those initiatives had conferences, committees and so on. With others, they had a big impact on the left-wing Labour Conference of September 2019. Labour for a Socialist Europe developed a few, but only a few, local groups and was able to run a distinctive left Labour campaign within the campaign in December 2019 general election. All these initiatives were unable to become more than small and loose networks. Labour for Socialist Europe, L4SE, for obvious obvious reasons, withered after Labour's December 2019 defeat and the 23rd January 2020 parliamentary vote to push through Brexit, though its political work is carried on in a much wider framework by Momentum Internationalists, launched by L4SE people in early 2020. Many of the other camp from grassroots Momentum regrouped in the Labour-Left Alliance on July 2019, with noticeably little impact at the left-wing Labour conference of September 2019. Meanwhile, Momentum gained new electronic members from its electronic activity for the June 2017 general election, apps, messages and so on, especially for mobilising people to work in marginals. By April 2018, it claimed 40,000 members. Momentum groups survived in some areas as local left caucuses without bothering too much about the national office. They dwindled in others. They were taken over by supporters of the national office in yet others. In Manchester, they simply got out the numbers. 
in Lewisham, South London, in April 2018, a set of officers elected at an ad hoc meeting in a pub downstairs bar by people mostly until then unknown to the, the active local momentum group in which Workers' Liberty people worked harmoniously with a range of leftists, was instantly recognised by the momentum office. Maybe some momentum groups will now revive as lockdown eases in 2021-22. to But for the peak years of, Cor- of the Corbyn era, 2017-2019, to momentum was a big labour left, which nevertheless fell short of even the minimal version of previous labour lefts. It did, through its electronic communications, get the vote out for internal labour party elections though for left slates decidedly opaquely and often with little left consensus. It did help Labour's public election efforts, but it allowed no political debate. It didn't help the left to advance in CLPs, and it played little role at Labour Party conferences except in 2017 when it played the bad role of helping the leadership stop the conference debating Brexit. In young Labour, it played a bad role. In Labour students, no role. In short, momentum failed entirely in the task, tasks of a grassroots Labour left after September 2015, but it also had clout to preempt the space in which a better left might have been developed. And it became in some ways like 38 degrees, not in being a board movement open to all comers, but but in being an office-down, staff-heavy, almost exclusively electronic movement. To start its office, John Lansman chose young people with no or little previous labour movement background, such as James Schneider, one of its first national organisers, who had previously been an active Liberal Democrat. Schneider went on from momentum to a job in the leader's office, and now does comms, as they say, for Yanis Varoufakis's Progressive International. The other early national organisers, Emma Rees and Adam Klug, also had little labour background and also went on to other posts in the world of doing comms. By the time of the July 2020 NCG election, Momentum had 20 paid staff. In a conversation in the run-up to that election, John Lansman told the writer that, to his dismay, the office staff, not himself, ran momentum and should be held responsible for its shortcomings. Schneider, Reese and Klug and dozens of others who circulated through jobs in the momentum office or in the world transformed or in the leader's office in an individual MP's offices were and are not malevolent, not Stalinist, not right-wing. But in previous labour movement left groupings, even the most unsatisfactory, the leading figures were people with a record and accessibility in the movement. They would be MPs, candidates, councillors, delegates at conferences and committees, people who came to meetings and could be heard and debated with. Now, much went through people appointed as comms technicians and operating behind opaque office walls. The Blairite infection of labour with the culture of the NGO and the quango continued in the Corbyn era and even if it even in its left and grassroots wing. 
chapter 15, page 32, the pre-2015 Labour left. Part of the reason why that culture could dominate was that the active representatives of a more democratic, less managerial culture had become weak in 2015. The Campaign for Labour Party Democracy, a group dating back to the early 1970s, had kept plugging away through the Blair years, but its core was ageing and diminishing, and only slightly refreshed in the Corbyn years. It had a reserved seat in the Momentum NCG, and waits in the negotiations in the left about internal election slates. Its basic pitch through the Corbyn years was, even more than the momentums, to support the party leadership at all costs and through all twists and turns. At the September 2019 conference, it ended up advising delegates to back the platform on all, absolutely all, issues, so as to support the leadership and give it no difficulties in the coming general election. The Labour Representation Committee was the, the biggest other long-standing group of the Labour left in 2015. It had been launched in t- 2004 by John Macdonald MP after some agitation by Workers' Liberty and others from movements for Labour representation to combat the Blair-Brown Labour leadership's shutting down of space for working-class political voices. For some years, it was relatively lively, driven by young activists like Owen Jones and Andrew Fisher employed in McDonald's parliamentary office. In 2015, it had withered, with little activity outside its own annual conference, and none of the detailed work in preparation for and at Labour Party conferences, which CLP D still did. It did not revive in the Corbyn years. It ended then by joining the Labour-Left Alliance mentioned above, critical of the Labour Party leadership, mostly because of the leadership's haphazard attempts to signal distance from left anti-Semitism. Socialist Appeal, the section of the old militant group that had stayed in the Labour Party after that group split in 1992, had revived the bit from about 2010 by systematically, systemically setting up Marxist societies on university campuses with a regular routine of propagandist meetings. It was dedicated to the idea that impending economic crises will make the masses move politically and then they will move through their traditional organisations, that is in Britain and Labour, and in, that is in Britain, the Labour Party. The Marxists should be sitting there ready, while awaiting the crisis, however, and even during the crisis of 2008-9 to and of Covid slump, socialist appeal was not and is not much engaged in the Labour Party. It made no enter- effort to intervene in momentum when it was relatively open in 2016. In 2016, around Jeremy Corbyn's second leadership election, several members of Socialist Appeal were among hundreds excluded from Labour in the same way as hundreds or thousands had been in 2015. Socialist Appeal showed no interest in working with the Stop the Labour Purge campaign, or even, if they thought that campaign inadequate, in setting up a better one. Essentially, they were responding to the exclusions with a shrug. The Socialist Workers' Party and the Socialist Party stayed outside the Labour Party in the Corbyn period, though here and there they attended a few meetings of momentum 
in its earliest period. They could thus play a part in the battle to shape the Corbyn surge only by way of influence of advocating ideas from outside. What they advocated was not helpful. Both presented themselves as the most eager supporters of Corbyn's politics, deploring only compromises when they saw Corbyn as being forced to make with established interests in the Labour Party. All moves by Corbyn and his team towards a more internationalist line on Brexit or towards recognition of anti-Semitism as a problem, they censured as all those evil they censured those as evil compromises. Workers' Liberty had been more active in constituency Labour parties than Socialist Appeal, especially since 2010, when we were few in numbers and those CLPs had been mostly unlikely. We worked in and with momentum for a more democratic and critical culture. We endeavoured to develop young Labour and Lefts young Labour and Labour students and the left within them to build initiatives like Stop the Labour Purge, the Labour Campaign for Free Movement and Labour for a Socialist Europe. We did much useful work, but in the end we had not enough initial critical mass to counter the weight of the quasi-NGO, quasi-Stalinoid office-down culture which dominated the Corbyn movement. That culture made the Corbyn movement unable to deal with two big issues – which fragmented the left in 2016 to 2020 and contributed to Corbyn's demoralising defeat in December 2019, Brexit and anti-Semitism. (laughs) 